As you turn to Luke chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. As mentioned last week, I returned from a time of travel during the Thanksgiving week, visiting my parents and siblings, and there was a lot of coming and going and a lot of laughing and eating too much and joy and rejoicing, and as well as having uh, two and four-year-old nephews, there was some tears and sorrow as well. And that is the nature of visits, isn't it? When you go to see others or when others come to see you. Overall, such weeks allow us to stop from our normal routine and reflect and cherish what is most important to us. And that is needed. It's part of what the Lord has made us, how he's made us, to celebrate and to enjoy, to laugh and to play with others, as well as to think deep thoughts and to meditate for a time. All takes place because of a visit, or even perhaps you could say a visitation. And that is what we see in our passage this morning, is that we have a a visit, a visitation. Mary, the mother of our Lord, fresh off those revealing words from the angel Gabriel, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and that she would be with child. And not just any child, that she would bear the Christ, the Son of the living God. And part of that announcement was that Mary's relative, Elizabeth, though being old and in old age, also had conceived a son. And so Mary goes for a visit, visits her cousin, Elizabeth. And what we see is that it is a time of great rejoicing and celebrating. I don't know if there was turkey or not, but their rejoicing ultimately was not about food or necessarily even seeing each other. It was about the Lord and about what the Lord was doing in their life. The revelation, the good news that was given to each one of them. That the children, the sons that they were both carrying would be used mightily of the Lord. And so what we see in our passage this morning is two mothers rejoicing. And we, therefore, rejoice with them. Not only in this beautiful scene, but the glorious good news that is given to them. And so we'll see that this morning in three points. Mary's coming. Elizabeth's welcoming, and John's rejoicing. First, Mary's coming. We read there in verse 39, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. As she not only went, but she went with haste. 
meaning she did not take many days after Gabriel's visitation. She got up and she went to Elizabeth's house. Now we must understand that Mary's going to Elizabeth was quite an undertaking. This was more than just calling a taxi or the Uber of the day. She would have to make this trek by foot from Nazareth in Galilee all the way down to somewhere near Jerusalem in Judea. It would have been anywhere from an 80 to 100 mile trip. About the same distance from here to Chattanooga. Now, if someone was saying to you that they were going to go to Chattanooga this week, you wouldn't even think twice about it other than to tell them to have a good trip. But for them to say, I'm going to Chattanooga by foot, you would say, well, that's just crazy. And it really puts this into context, doesn't it? That this wasn't just a casual trip. It's not Mary just saying, you know, I think I'm just going to go see my, my cousin Liz for the weekend. This was intentional. In fact, it was inconvenient. It would take sacrifice, no doubt, to make such a journey. And so, therefore, you should ask, why? Why would she do such a thing? Well, I think there's a few reasons for why Mary went to Elizabeth's home. And the first was for her own faith, that is, Mary's faith, to be strengthened. See, two weeks ago, we saw that Mary was given this message from this angel. And she responded to the message extremely well. She asked a clarifying question, how can this be? But she never seemingly doubts or disbelieves. In fact, we could say that she handles this news remarkably better than Zechariah when Zechariah was given a similar revelation of the birth of his son, John. And that is quite amazing because we know that Mary was probably about quarter the age of Zechariah. Mary at this time is most likely a teenager, which demonstrates that she had remarkable faith. And we'll see through her testimony of that faith next week when we see this Wonderful words of praise, her magnificat as as it's called. But that does not mean that Mary did not have any fear. Or that there wasn't hesitancy. Or even trepidation. See, she would have to be non-human for those things not to be there. And the angel knew this. The, The Lord knew this. And that is why the Lord sent this angel not only to give this proclamation of this good news, but also to tell Mary that her relative, Elizabeth, was also pregnant. That this would be a confirmation to her of all the things that was said to her. So for her not to use this confirmation would have been foolish on her part. Again, Mary, no doubt by going, is saying, yes, I want my my faith, I want my trust to be confirmed. The Lord has given me something for my faith and trust to be confirmed, and therefore I am going to go and see that these things are true. In many ways, the Lord does the same thing for us. It's called the sacraments. Every time we have the 
the baptism and every time that we have the Lord's table as it's spread before us this morning is a confirmation to us. Did the Lord need to provide signs for us? No, he could have said all you need to do is believe. All you need to do is trust. And indeed, that is what we are to do. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. But the Lord also knows that we are weak, doesn't he? And at times, faithless. And we need confirmation. And the Lord has given us confirmation in the sacraments. As we see the waters of baptism, as we eat the bread, and as we drink the wine, and we say, oh yes, not only do I believe, not only do I trust, but now I can see, now I can taste, now I can smell, and therefore believe all the more. And so partaking in the sacraments, as we will do momentarily, is faith building. It's faith confirming. And we need it, don't we? Mary needed it as well. And that is why she went. But second, I think we can say that Mary went because the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those that weep. Mary had just received wonderful news for herself, but also for her cousin, Elizabeth. Mary, no doubt, knew of Elizabeth's barrenness. And probably for years, it was kind of the the talk of the family, no doubt. Maybe as they gathered together around the, the Thanksgiving table, no doubt the topic of conversation was, oh, poor Elizabeth. She so wants to have a child. And she can't have one. She won't have one. Too bad. So sad. Well, Mary now hears the good news. And doesn't just say, wow, that's really great for Elizabeth. I'm really excited for her. I'm happy for her. No, she says, wow, that is amazing. I want to go and see. I want to go and rejoice with her. In other words, Mary went out of her way. We could say way out of her way to rejoice with her cousin, Elizabeth. In other words, she didn't just think it. She put her thoughts into actions. She didn't just feel it. She did it. She went. And there's something to that, isn't there? As Pastor Myers said earlier of our Sunday school series, we are looking at these one another's in the scriptures, this love one another and all the other aspects of one another's that come out of that great one another. And it's convicting, isn't it? It demonstrates to us that that words indeed are cheap and our thoughts can be very sentimental. But we need to have more than just sentiment. We need to have more than just words. We need to have actions and deeds. And that takes time. And that takes effort. And that takes sacrifice. But that's what it means to be the body of Christ, isn't it? To put others before yourself. Again, to rejoice with those who rejoice. To weep with those that weep. To walk with one another through life's highs and lows. And we surely appreciate it when others do it for us, don't we? Likewise, we need to reciprocate that for them. We need to rally around and and love those that 
that need love and, and that need care and that need mercy to, to be the arms and feet of Christ. This indeed is the way that the Lord loves us. He doesn't love us intangibly. No, He loves us very tangibly, often through the hugs and the handshakes and the phone calls and the going to see one another. As we indeed do that as the body of Christ. I can only imagine that when Mary and Elizabeth got together, there was a lot of giddy shrieking and glee as only women can do. And no doubt tears of joy. And and good for them. It's a, a picture of rejoicing together, isn't it? Likewise, Smyrna Prez, that is our calling. As we think about one another, we can't just think, and, and yes, we should pray for them, but, but we need to remind each other, yes, I'm praying for you. Yes, I, I'm thinking about you. Yes, I would love to bring a meal to you. Yes, I would love to, to do this, to, to show my love, to demonstrate not only my love for the Lord, but our love for each other. And indeed, you do that so well. So continue on in doing what God has called us to do. Well, second, we see Elizabeth's welcoming. How does Elizabeth respond to the news of Mary's coming? Do we see her saying, ugh, how long is she going to stay? Maybe that's how we sometimes sinfully respond when we're hearing that we're going to have house guests. But not Elizabeth. And, and by the way, you can just cheat and look a little bit ahead in verse 56 of chapter 1. Notice how long Mary does stay. She remained with Elizabeth about three months. And you thought your two to three day Thanksgiving guests stayed a little too long. There was no ugness in Elizabeth. Only rejoicing upon seeing Mary. And remember this visit was most likely unannounced. And so just as Mary inconvenienced herself to go, Elizabeth was inconvenienced in having someone to come and stay with her, not just for a couple days, but for three months. And she opens up her home. She opens up that oftentimes neglected art of hospitality, where we have guests enter into our home and even stay for a time and we we care for them we provide for their needs but there is something more that comes out that reflects Elizabeth's character we see in this welcoming of Mary we see profound humility now you need to remember that Elizabeth is quite Mary's senior and as a result You would usually see the respect of the younger being given to the older. Now, I know that doesn't mean much in our culture when kids oftentimes see themselves as as important or even sometimes more important than older people and where we've lost respect and honor. That is not true in the Middle East in this Jewish culture in the first century. There was great deference given to the old by the young. 
And that would have been the case, no doubt, in Mary and Elizabeth's day. But the tables are turned. Did you notice that? Elizabeth, the the older, gives great deference to Mary, the younger. And it is Elizabeth that is pouring out admiration upon Mary. It's Elizabeth that is so excited and so blessed to see her and to have her in her home. Look at what she says in verse 42. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the the fruit of your womb. Notice she is pouring blessing upon Mary. Again, the the younger was to, to bless the older, but not here. And not her, not Elizabeth. It's blessing upon Mary. And blessing upon the child that she bears. She goes on to say, And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth is is a little bit taken back, isn't she? Why is this? That that your presence would be given to me, be granted to me. This is not false humility. No, we see true humility in the words of Elizabeth. Why would the, the mother of my Lord come to me? But it's not just... In what she says. But it's in what she does not say. Do you notice that the first words out of her mouth are not, Hey Mary, did you hear what happened to me? I'm pregnant. She doesn't talk about her pregnancy at all. And think of how incredible that truly is. Remember, Elizabeth is at least 60 years old. She would have been barren for for 40 plus years. Yet what does she want to talk about? Not about her or her pregnancy, but rather about Mary and her pregnancy. And that is indeed incredible, isn't it? Because we all know those people. And no matter what you say, somehow they bring it back to themselves. Me, me, me. I, I, I. And after a while, you're... Or saying, yep, 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 that's great, 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 yep, yep, you're, you're, you're obviously great, yep. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, can I please move on from this conversation? It's wearisome, isn't it? But not Elizabeth. And she had some, some pretty big news, didn't she? Some pretty exciting news, miraculous news even. And yet she's not focused on that. She's focused on the other person. The one in front of her, rejoicing and and blessing her, demonstrates that Elizabeth is a a humble servant that puts others before herself. Again, what a lost art that oftentimes is. In a little bit, we will will go into the fellowship hall and have lunch, and there will be somebody across from you. What's the conversation going to be about? Is it going to be about you and what you've done and what you've accomplished? Or is it going to be talking to them, conversing with them, speaking with them, rejoicing with them, weeping with them? Again, that's what it means to be the the body of Christ. 
what an opportunity to do so. Food is, is secondary. We, we do like to eat around here, but it is secondary to the more primary, and that is to, to fellowship with one another. That's why we put these on. This is why we have lunch, so that you can spend time getting to, to know others and for others to get to know you and to share with one another in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be mutually beneficial, and then ultimately it would all be praise and glory to God. That's what we see in this fellowship, don't we, with, with Mary and Elizabeth. And why is it that Elizabeth responds in this way? It's not just because she's a, a decent human being. It's more than that. Elizabeth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is truly amazing, realizes that what is in Mary, even more important, that is what is in her, that 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 Elizabeth knows that what Mary bears, or maybe I should say who Mary bears, is greater than herself. Indeed, even greater than the son that she bears. And she says that, doesn't she? Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then probably the most incredible words, why is this granted to me that the mother of Notice this, my Lord should come to me. What is she calling this baby that Mary is bearing and carrying? She calls it my Lord. That is incredible. Why is that so incredible? Because how Lord-like was Jesus at this point? Probably just a, a few cells in the womb of the Virgin Mary, quite small, very fragile. And yet Elizabeth has the the spiritual eyes of faith by the Holy Spirit to see beyond and to call what we would say this, this little zygote, to call him Lord. That is by supernatural revelation. In fact, J.C. Ryle says Elizabeth's confession here is even greater than Peter's in Matthew chapter 16 because at least Peter had seen evidence to call him my Lord, to call him Christ, the Son of the living God. But Elizabeth here believes and confesses the Lordship of Christ before she had seen any of it. And that is why, indeed, she is such a, a humble servant why she's able to put others, why she's able to put Mary and and her pregnancy above her own because she was bowing the knee to a a greater Lord, wasn't she? And that is always the case, isn't it? If, If we truly are reformed Christians, if we really love to talk about the sovereignty of God, which we do, it better make you a humble servant and servant oriented. Otherwise, you truly don't believe in a sovereign God. If we're going to call him my Lord, then we need to to bow the knee. And if Elizabeth can do it at this point in Jesus' development, even before he's breathed his first breath, how much more us have been given the full testimony, the, the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we surely have no excuse And as we go through this gospel account and as we look at all the words of Jesus and all the deeds of Jesus, 
It's not just to to fill our minds with knowledge. It's not to fill our minds with information. Again and again, we should read these stories, this revelation of Christ, and have the same response as Elizabeth. We should continually say, my Lord, my God, how awesome are you in all of your ways and all of your deeds? And go forth humbly bowing before him to do his work, to do his bidding, as faithful servants of Christ. Well, third, not only do we see the coming of Mary, the welcoming of Elizabeth, but we see the rejoicing of John. Not only were these actions of Elizabeth astounding, but so too those of the little one that she was carrying. For it says in verse 41, that when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And in verse 44, she gives greater confirmation of this when she says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What an amazing aspect of what is taking place. Elizabeth being six months pregnant at this time, no doubt, is you mothers can confirm, had already been feeling the the movement of this child, a foot, an elbow here and and there. You can even begin to to see it at this point, the the moving around in the womb, which for us men is always simultaneously exciting as well as a little bit disturbing, that you are growing something inside of you. It's beautiful and weird at the same time. But when Elizabeth heard this greeting of Mary. It says this child leapt for joy. This does not mean that he just stretched. No, the the, the same word is used elsewhere in Scripture for, for a calf, a baby cow that would leap and jump and frolic in the field. This was not just some movement. This was like he was going to, to come out through the womb And how could this be? Some might say, well, this is just Elizabeth being a little overly excited. Perhaps over-exaggerating a bit. Maybe John had hiccups. No, it says that John was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what Gabriel told Zechariah, was it not? That he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And so here, John doesn't just have have gas. (laughs) He has joy. Joy from a converted heart that was filled with the the Holy Spirit. And that's what we pray for our children, isn't it? That the same Holy Spirit that filled John would fill our children even from the womb. That they would never know a day that they do not know Jesus. That they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. That they have joy in Jesus. And children and, and youth, You want to know what what we desire the most for you? It's that. If we can give you anything at Christmas, it would be that. That you would love Christ. That you would serve Christ. That you would have joy in Jesus. And we're so grateful that for so many of you, that is true. That you love Jesus. That you you love to sing Him. What a joy it is to to see the the children's choir. The children pouring in, wanting to, to sing praise to Christ. 
I hope, children, youth, that you'll, you'll never lose that. You'll never replace that with any imitation. Because there's a lot of imitation, but none of it will satisfy, will it? Coca-Cola used to have a slogan, taste the real thing. Once you've tasted the real thing, then there is no imitation, is there? That all are fakes, all are frauds. There's only true joy in Christ. And that's what John had from the womb. And it demonstrates his, his personhood. Only people can have emotions. And it must be said again, that's why we believe that this child in the womb is not a thing. It's not something that can be discarded. It's why we as Christians are unswervingly committed to pro-life. And you might say, well, pastor, don't bring politics into the, into the pulpit. This has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with morality, life, and death. John was filled with the Holy Spirit. He leapt with joy. He was a person just like you and me. The same size that all of us were at one time. He had thoughts. He had emotions. He had movement in the womb. It's never a thing. Always a child. Always a person. But even more than that, it demonstrates that John was already committed to the work the Lord had called him. He was called even from the womb to do what the Lord desired for him to do. Remember back when the revelation was given to Zacharias, told that he would have the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of of many to the Lord, to make ready the way of the Lord. And you already see him doing that in utero, starting with his own mother. When he hears Mary's voice, as John figuratively speaking, saying, that's her. Better yet, that's him. That's the one that's going to do this, this great work. And did John's revelation have effect? Yes, with his own mother. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit so much so that she exclaims, my Lord. We see that John has his first convert. He hasn't even emerged from the womb. That revival indeed has has begun. And that revival continues. What a glorious time this season is, isn't it? As we head into these Christmas months, what joy we have in ourselves. What a joy we have to share. And we cannot keep that silent. We cannot keep that contained. We must have Elizabeth and and Mary's and and John's joy. We must have that desire to to bear witness to Christ just like John does. That life that is filled with with the Holy Spirit and with joy in our Lord and Savior. And that overflows. It must overflow. And our Christmas greetings as we go out as a church into our community to, to carol what joy we can bring to this world. A world that lacks true joy, don't they? What an opportunity to invite others to our services in this season, to a Christmas Eve, to a Christmas morning service. I hope you'll spend much time meditating on the, the riches of Christ's incarnation, His coming to us to save us, to deliver us, not just for a time, but for all eternity. What a wonder, what a, a joy. 
We should be continually overwhelmed, flabbergasted at this mighty story of this little one that has come to us. Just a few points as we finish up. You, you might ask, where are the men in this passage? And they're not there, are they? They're absent. And that must be noted. Oftentimes, Christianity is, is portrayed as a, a patriarchal religion. But what do we see? And when Jesus is first revealed, that revelation comes to who? To women. And in fact, when it first came to the, the first man, he doesn't do too well, does he? He doesn't have a strong showing. He doubted, he disbelieved. But when it comes to Elizabeth, when it comes to Mary, they are the ones that believe. They are the ones that are rejoicing. And it demonstrates that Christianity is not just for men. It's for men and women and for boys and girls. It's for sinners. No matter the age or the gender, that all would come to believe. And with that, let me say that we are so thankful for our women. The women in our church, the women in our lives, that we surely could not do it without you. Much of our faith in God is because of you and because of other women like yourself. And isn't that evidenced in this passage? That these two children that come from these two wombs, that they learned much from their mothers. Jesus, who left the, the glories of heaven to come to earth in order to be majorly inconvenienced, so as to rejoice with those that rejoice, to weep with those that weep, to be one that serves, and ultimately to be one that gives his life as a ransom for many. Who did he learn that from? We'd say, no doubt, more than in part, his mother, Mary. Because we see those same things demonstrated in her. That Jesus learned from her example. And the same thing with John. We will see if John, when his disciples come to him and say, John, John, everybody is leaving you and, and following this other man, following Jesus. How does he respond? I wish they would all follow him because he must increase and I must decrease. Could it be that John learned such humility from his mother, Elizabeth, that demonstrated it here in this passage, that demonstrated it in her actions and behavior? The one that, that taught him that, that this Jesus, that's our Lord. That's the one that we follow. That's the one that we bow the knee to. And we give our lives in service to him. Mothers, indeed, you have a hard task. And I know this isn't Mother's Day. But in the light of these two mothers, let me say thank you. Your labors are not in vain. We have learned about Christ and Christ-like behavior from you. And together with you, along with Elizabeth and Mary, we rejoice in our Lord and Savior. Indeed, this newborn king.